Hi, this is Peter Bergman, and this is Radio Free Oz. Oz in your ears for February 28th, 2012. Usually the last day of February, but not this year. An election comes along, a leap year gives us another day to think it all over. Well, as I mentioned, I, I, I followed and live-blogged the GOP debate last week. Oh, my, what a dull show. But you got a feeling that everybody on stage was just waiting if only they could jump up and declare the culture war first let's let's invade iran and then let's invade women and then let's kill gays i know that sounds strong but it was all there and the audience actually booed a question about contraception they've booed a gay soldier serving in iraq they've booed contraception they've booed the idea that a 25-year-old who didn't have medical insurance could die because he made the wrong choices. What an odd crowd. I mean, people watching it soon discovered that it was beyond partisan. Mainly white, mainly male. Anyway, I've discovered a new blogger, conservative blogger named Scott Galupo, and I like what he has to say. This, uh, this comes out of the Washington Times. He's a blogger for the Times. Washington Times is owned by the Reverend Moon. So I guess you could say the Washington Post is the sun and the Washington Times is the moon. <laughs> One of the funniest things to be said in the political world over the last few days was Rick Santorum's complaint that he's not interested in starting some sort of culture war. Rick Santorum last week stood by comments he made in 2008 about Satan attacking the United States, telling reporters here that he is going to stay on message and continue to talk about job security and taking on forces around this world who want to do harm to America. Here he's talking about Iran, of course, because he's absolutely convinced they have uh, nuclear weapons, although everybody in the CIA and the Pentagon tells him differently. But what would they know? They're part of the Obama conspiracy. They're all a bunch of UN, crypto UN one-worlders. Okay, this is the same Rick Santorum, of course, who's been running around the country claiming the president is the apostle of a phony theology, who is determined to stamp out the practice of Christianity, not to mention basic American liberties. When was the last time a sitting Democratic president or a Democratic nominee for the presidency has been accused of being on the warpath with Christianity and, and living by a false theology? Ooh, boy. We're way down the line, honey. So Scott Galupo uh, calls BS on the dishonest attempts to pretend a separation between cultural and economic issues on the right. This is what he says, right? It really isn't cultural. Yeah, I mean, it really isn't economic. It's all cultural. Since the firestorm over contraception and religious freedom erupted, there seems to be some kind of consensus that the culture war has returned to the fore of American politics. The consensus is wrong. The culture war never stopped. Out of political convenience or cultural distance, Beltway conservatives refuse to see this. Hardcore conservative opposition to Obama has always been cultural and theological. The pop theological mainstream of American evangelicals has so thoroughly assimilated the ideal of American capitalism that any deviation, however modest, from it is tantamount to radical godless humanism and in an extension of an older interdenominational debate, conservative Catholics like Santorum deeply mistrust the idea of social justice as championed by the Catholic left. You know, it's true. In the last 10 years, 
the church, the evangelical church, has gone really political. Well, what's new about that? They've been trying to get their people in office forever. No, they've become political economists. They actually think that God gave us the free market. They really have put an equal sign between trickle-down economics, free market, end of regulations, let the rich get richer, and the word of God. And if you're against it, Satan is talking through your butt. Okay. Bingo, says Galupo. Opposing big government and socialism has, for most conservatives, become a stance that combines cultural and economic concerns in a virtually seamless web. That's more apparent with the tea folk, whose endless citations of the Declaration of Independence as the most important document in U.S. history are typically motivated by what they consider a fundamental American exceptionalist charter for Christian nationalism and fetal personhood and absolute property rights. In terms of the conservative diagnosis of what's wrong with the country, it's very difficult to separate the worthless deadbeat dad from the worthless lucky-ducky welfare parasite, an election-stealing acorn client, just as it's hard at the other end of the spectrum of targets to separate the baby-killing feminist from the job-killing environmentalist or the American-hating socialist. I wish, says Galupo, I could believe that when conservatives talked about the economy or jobs, they really were motivated strictly by their tutoring in Austrian economics or their experience talking to small entrepreneurs. Perhaps some are, but all too often scratch a fiscal conservative and you'll find a culture warrior of one sort or another right under the surface. Well, right on Scott Galupo, and this is a conservative blogger, but I like the way he thinks. I get from him the fact that, yeah, he's a proponent of Austrian economics, small government, you know, fiscal austerity or whatever, but he doesn't see that being <laughs> promulgated by the people who call themselves fiscal conservatives and Republicans. They're all a bunch of culture warriors. Rick Santorum, who says he's running on jobs and he's from a blue-collar state, and he's from Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania. You know, and his dad was a communist, an Italian communist who came over and worked hard and brought Rick up. That's true. So Rick says, you know, I'm here about jobs. During the debate, Rick didn't mention the word jobs once. Not once. So if it's so on his mind, why doesn't he talk about it? Well, because he was being the smarmy altar boy last week. Oh, look, I'm the leader. I better not show my cards. I'll wait till I get to a friendly audience in Idaho or Utah and then tell them that the president <laughs> is vice consul to Satan. Well, you know something? He's bad, but Newt Gingrich is unpalatable. He accused Obama of infanticide during the, <laughs> the debate. I mean, can you imagine one candidate accusing the other of infanticide? Newt Gingrich, if there is any justice in this country, if people still have a shred of intelligence and a, a scintilla of critical thinking, is going to be brought down. Not put down like a dog, but brought down like a candidate who no longer deserves the public attention. Welcome to the 99% store, where the masses huddle to get through the muddle. Today's special are these piss-proof umbrellas from Supply Side that keeps you high and dry when the rich trickle down on you. Too busy looking for that job that isn't there to make your own protest sign? We've got them all, including The Beginning is Near, 
let my children go to college. I couldn't afford a politician, so I made this sign. Hungry? Eat a banker. I'll believe corporations are people when Texas executes one. And our Wall Street special, Jump, you fuckers. Are you going nowhere fast? Get healthy behind it with a Paul Ryan Pathway to Prosperity treadmill. Mitt Romney says, half an hour in the morning on Paul's machine gives me the lower body strength for another day of flip-flopping and backpedaling. Occupying Wall Street? Don't join the march without a pack of slimy bastard spotting cards, including mugshots of Lloyd Blankfein, Jamie Dimon, John Paulson, Vikram Pandit, Larry Summers, Tim Geithner, and his dishonor, Michael Bloomberg. Remember, you can't diss him and hiss him if you miss him. And here's a bargain for all you living the unemployed lifestyle. It's the 2012 edition of the Great American Get Back to Work Kit that includes job applications for patty flipping at McDonald's and chicken flicking at Tyson's, a commemorative album for your food stamps, rose-colored night goggles that help you see the light at the end of the tunnel, a wetsuit for double dipping and dumpster diving, and a rainproof begging bowl. It's all at the 99% store, the home away from home for the soon-to-be homeless. Let's turn aside from the red meat of Republican politics and contemplate the vaguely pink substance that someday may pass as hamburger. One test tube burger coming up. A team of researchers in the Netherlands is growing a test tube hamburger patty that they expect will be finished in eight months at a cost of about $350,000. Boy, you can get a lot of Big Macs for $350,000. They say, in October, we're going to provide a proof of concept showing out of stem cells we can make a product that looks, feels, and hopefully tastes like meat, said Professor Mark Post at a conference last week. Post sees lab-grown meat as an efficient way of meeting the world's growing demand for protein. Each donor animal would be able to produce a million times more meat than if it were simply butchered. Oh, it's coming. It ain't Soylent Green. It's Animal Donor Pink. It's coming. There's no way in the world we can provide the water and the grain necessary to grow cattle so we can hit them on the head and carve them up and eat them. We're going to have to get a million more times meat from those poor animals, and this seems to be the way it's going to happen. Oh, test tube meat. Well, maybe. Maybe it will be organic. Maybe all of us organic freaks can step up to the new totally artificial McDonald's. Excuse me, aren't they that already? And ask for one of them fine double test tube burgers. Yeah! Supersize me with one of them tube patties. This podcast may produce side effects including but not limited to explosive diarrhea, migraine headaches, a sudden urge to pee, a lack of interest in the fact that you just peed yourself, the conditions known simply as sausage fingers and or small feet, nausea, uncontrollable rage, a solid disdain for posters with kittens on them, erectile dysfunction followed by erectile overfunctioning, bloating, cotton mouth, triskaidekaphobia, jock itch, and mild jaundice. If you experience any of these symptoms for more than four hours, please consult a physician and trust us when we say that we are not legally experienced or obligated to give you this warning. Please read instructions before using or selling this product around small children as it could affect their grade point average. Our lawyers tell us that we are not aware of any evidence supporting the effectiveness of the information used in the integration of any actual marketing campaign in existence. Please do not use in the shower or while sleeping, and remember that shin pads cannot protect any part of the body that they do not cover. This product is for indoor or outdoor use only and is void where prohibited. This podcast is shown here actual size, and your mileage may vary.